I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi guys, and just before this week's show, which is my 100th show, yay, I would just like to ask you a little bit of um, a favour. Now, we listen. I get a lot of listeners now, and it's growing very quickly. But I would love if some of you out there could please um, take some time to give me a review to um, go on to, when you're on your on iTunes or Spotify, jump in, give me a you know a rating. If it's one star or five star, doesn't matter. You can do it, just tuck the little dot on the top of the show in um, in uh, Spotify and you can give me a rating on iTunes. You can leave me a, a written review. It'll just help me get more audience and spread the word more for my show. Um, that's me for now, my begging over. Um, enjoy the show. Um, this is one of my favorites, actually. I really enjoyed doing this one and researching it. So, enough from me now. I hand you over to Tony. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones with me, your podcast host, Tony Evans, or Heavy Metal Tones as he likes to call himself. This is part two of Women in Rock April. It's for the month of April was our, is my celebration or this show celebration of Women in Rock. This week's episode is an interesting one. Um, it was meant to be an interview with, a, with a, a singer, a friend of mine, but she, unfortunately, life gets in the way and uh, we've had to postpone that interview. It is coming soon, guys. It will happen in April. Um, it has to be because I want it women in April. It's Women in Rock Month for April. So I brought this episode that's recording today forward. Um, it is actually technically my 100th episode. Um, you know, woohoo. I pour myself a whiskey. Um, no, I'm not really having tea. Um, uh, the 100 episode special will be aired very soon. It's like a part A or part B. I'm just in the middle of finishing recording it. So this is about women producers. Now, record producers, all right? We all know what a record... Well, most of us know what a record producer is. It's interesting, isn't it? In the old days, you'd get the record and you'd open up the vinyl, put the record on the deck, and you'd look at the notes. And often, you'd be, there'd be times when you would... You almost not buy a record because it wasn't produced by a particular person, or you buy it because it was produced by a particular person, right? Sorry. 
I'm recording this at night time this time around because um, things happen during the day and uh, so it's a bit noisy around the house. I apologise in advance. Anyway, so producers. Now, what does a producer say? What is the, what is the let's, have a, let's read the Wikipedia description of producer, okay? It says here, and I quote, a record producer is a recording project's creative and technical leader, commanding studio time and coaching artists, and in popular genres typically creates the song's very sound and structure. The record producer, or simply the producer, is likened to a film director and art director. The executive producer, on the other hand, enables a recording project through entrepreneurship and an audio engineer operates a technology. Very straightforward, right? It says what it says on the packet. It's the person who um, takes the raw sound of the um, of the artist in the studio and bakes it, it sort of bakes it into the into the finished product that you put on your stereo or or in your headphones. Um, it's so it's an interesting. It's an interesting part of the studio dynamic, the producer, because um, some producers, like it says, you know, art directors and 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 uh, will guide the the project through to the final finish. Some will be more hands-on and more controlling. Most of the time, you know, you'll sit them sitting behind the mixing desk with the engineer, um, uh, fiddling with the knobs and buttons on their Neve. Um, consoles or whichever they're using and uh, they're sort of making a finished product to for the company who's paying for it usually the record company like EMI or CBS or whoever um, uh, who've been invested in the product uh, sadly though sometimes um, it they do it can ruin um, the, the album uh, or the song because it can get overproduced or it can they can take away the, the band's um, ideas, momentum, you know, and, and direction. But most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, they're blending, you know, all the technologies they know together. Look at the great producers. Look at George Martin from the Beatles. I mean, without George Martin, the Beatles, would they be Would they are? No, I don't think so. I don't think they'd be as experimental as they ended up being. Um, same with, you know, uh, Rick Rubin. I mean, the amount of people he's had his fingers on the on the, the the controls of you know the you know creating arguably the most expensive album ever produced um which is uh, you know Def Leppard's Hysteria again massively overproduced but produced otherwise still a lot of technology a lot of stuff going on because a producer will often you know hear things that the band doesn't you know layering and um, textures is like sewing a patchwork together you know it's like building a Lego uh, building block uh, like a plastic house of Lego bricks you know you, you have to see how you're going one at a time to see where it will finish and how it will finish um, having that future like forward thinking now as I said as this, as this is um, women in rock month he's saying Tony what's this got to do with women in rock well it has got a lot to do with it because we all have our favourite female singers, guitarists, bass players, drummers, whatever, you know, out front making the art. Um, but very few of us actually think about the behind the scenes twiddling the knobs um, and, um, you know, punching the numbers in and, and, and directing the bands in the direction that they need to go. Uh, 
it is very much a you know you get this image don't you of um 70s production room you know um like studios with you know guys with thick rimmed glasses and corduroy jeans and a big pipe and you know smoke it and it's very masculine it's a very masculine uh, environment and do you know what um it's 2023 and it's still not it's still quite like that i mean you know you can you know alternate the thick thick rimmed glasses for some nice fancy lightweight um ray-bans and some you know light jeans and a t-shirt it's still the same thing there's still a very masculine environment um now of all the music produced in the world and this is going to shock you and it shocked me quite quite a lot when i read this only two percent of all music produced at this moment is produced by females now if you think about it that we share this planet equally in equal portions where we try to only of all the musical art for or art that is produced the millions and millions of hours every single week and hundreds of thousands of minutes every single day that's produced and recorded and released only two percent of it is produced by women that that really shocks me because like anything else in life they are as equal creativity creative creativity they are equally as creative as they are as the rest of us as everyone else masculine feminine pronoun whatever whatever they you know whatever you choose your your gender pronoun to be you're equally as creative as each other it is sad um like i've got a quote here excuse me i'm going to flick through some notes i took out quite shocked me here we go 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 this is um okay uh, where am I here? So, Wendy Page remarked, now she's an industry professional, uh, the difficulties are usually very short-lived, she says. Once people realise, and let's put people as in men, realise um, realize that you can do your job, sexism tends to lower its ugly head and leave the room. When asked, tasked to explain her professional sex disparity, Paige apparently reasoned that recording labels dominated by men have been, she said, mistrustful of women giving the reins of an immense creative project like making a record. Ultimately, the reasons are multiple and not fully clear, although predominantly proposed factors include types of sexism and scarcity of women role models in the profession. And there you go. So what she's saying is that once you get your foot under the door, uh, and they, you can prove what you you do. They're going to say, "Oh yeah, no worries. Come on, you know, Wendy, come on, you you make art with us." The the sad thing is that you have to do that with male producers. You know, probably just turn up. You know, yeah. Not I'm not just saying any old man gets off the street and says I can produce a record, but I'm sure they go. They don't use as much cynicism as she's trying to say there. There is Finley mass Finley mass sexism, of course. Of course, there is. That's everywhere in life. We have to be absolutely stupid to think that this is some kind of utopia that we in music we don't have that. This is not the tra- not the case. There are a lot of female producers that produce their own music though. Um, Kate Bush, Madonna, Mariah Carey, Janet Jackson, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, to name a few. Lordy, they there are some really clever women making their own art. But but being in control of your own art is completely different to being let to be in control of someone else's art. You know, um, if you're powerful enough like Madonna or Kate Bush or Mariah Carey, any of those ones I just mentioned, if you turn to the record label and say, look, we don't need to pay a producer. I can do this. 
um, we'll save some money on that. You know, they'll go, oh yeah, wow, okay, Madonna, yeah, yeah, no worries. But it's when you then try and say, I want this particular female producer, and it's going to cost me this amount of millions or this amount of hundred thousands of dollars, and it's going to take this amount of time, that they were going to go, well, mm, oh, but we've got Rick Rubin and we've got, you know, all these other people. No, there are, and that's where the problem lies, right? It really, really, it's quite, quite damning here. No woman producer has ever won um, a, um, a Grammy for production since 1975. And only ever one, and only one ever has been nominated for record not, not, that's not our own. And that's Linda Perry in 2019. Now, is that, is that not also um, people of, of the music world, loving world, a crying shame? Uh, this is, I mean, I can't believe I'm sitting here in 2000, 2023 in my little corner of Australia with my mug of tea and my notes, um, having to tell the world this is, this is a crazy, crazy thing, but it, it, it really is. But there are out there people beavering away, making great music. We just, they're just not in the spotlight. They're just not being shouted around. And one I'm going to talk about in the second half is um, on research, an unbelievable um, character, which I really would like to, to read more. She's re- written a book. I'm going to try and catch it, get hold of it and read it. Um, but her, her, not only is her catalogue of, of, of bands and albums and songs that she's worked on unbelievable, varied and amazing, but she's also been there, done that, you know, bought the biscuit, drunk the tea, bought the T-shirt, right? Um, so... I just would like to say out to all you um, women and females, young girls, girls, women, whoever listening to the show, you know, if you are listening to the show, and it, I do have a, a quite a high female audience, um, I hope that you do hold those um, those ambitions, and I hope you do go beyond the underground scene and get yourself onto a major label and a major now i know that production is changing dramatically with digital production and production now has done a lot you know um during covid and after covid now in you know isolation you're not doing it in rooms with you know old days where the band would sit around you know googly eyed at the producer going what you're doing to my music and and him show them one thing and they go well that's amazing can you do more of the same um i hope that they're you know that that, that you do get to sit i mean i don't know honestly where you'd go to learn these days i'm sure there are universities that do music production courses um that aren't just lip service because let's be honest some of them are just lip service um you know you turn up do the course pay them exorbitant amounts of money um you learn what you can at the time because technology changes so quickly and then you, you go into the real world and they like go no sorry um you don't have any experience like a lot of things when I was in the film industry um, you know it wasn't it wasn't what you know it was who you know a lot of the time I got a lot of jobs because um, I was in special effects as you might all know I got a lot of jobs uh, through word of mouth um, not by my piece of paper that I had in my hand so sometimes I mean I, I knew a I knew a, a woman back in the UK a friend of mine Renata I haven't spoken to her a very long time, but she was a lovely, lovely woman. And her sister, Luciana, Luciana, they both were music, they were both in the music business, um, Renata and Luciana. Luciana was more your, your studio based and, and um, 
um, Rini was more um, just really into the music scene, gigging and with all the bands and a lot of the punk bands in the late seventies and early eighties and so on. But Lucci was worked in a, a recording studio in Kingston upon Thames, I think it was, and she really, you know, she that, she was quite pioneering because um, she would just stay back for hours and hours and learn uh, and, and 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 absorb. And I, you know, I don't know. I know she had a child when I, just before I left, so I don't know. Uh, UK, so I don't know if she still is doing that, but I'd love to hope, think that deep down there she is, you know, hands on a, on a desk, um, you know, moving those levers around and creating some interesting uh, and exciting um, production. Because, like I said at the beginning of the program, um, the producer is really important. We have all overheard heard albums that were the production is terrible where it's mixed off you know mixed badly i mean i'm made and famously don't like the first album they think it's um poorly mixed i mean uh, marillion's fugazi on first rele- released was what they thought was poorly mixed and you you know um the reissue they did last year the mix is amazing and it's fixed it um and you i suppose post you know retrospectively if you've got the tapes you can fix them if you haven't got the tapes you can't um, when I went to see Stephen Wilson um, a couple of months ago in London um, doing a talk about his latest album, a compilation album, I've talked about it before, they were talking about, you know, how um, New Order, they want to do some New Order, the early New Order albums, but they can't um, because they can't get the original tapes um, to remix them because no one knows where they are. Um, the The point... The point being is that it would be lovely to think that there is someone out there, Lucci's out there creating great art. But back to the producer, as I said. So I got sidetracked because my little cat was scratching at the door and I didn't let her in. Um, we've all heard the records that are badly produced, haven't we? Um, I know I've, I've put ones on and thought, my God, it sounds like the band's made this in a bathtub. Or, or there's the room sound is so awful, um, or the the mix or the the separation is too great, or there's too much bottom end, or there's too much bass, or this, like I was listening to a guy's um, mix the other day of a, of a local band, and the drums were so poorly mixed that the cymbals, honestly, it was it was like I can't hear the singer. Let's turn everything up because the singer's got a terrible voice, or they don't trust the singer's voice, so they turn the they turn everything up to like ten. And it was just produced so poorly that when you see them live, you go, yeah, that cannot be you. Um, and I, I didn't say anything to them at the time because I don't want to be disparaging. I mean, again, I'm not the one in front of the mic and I'm certainly not the one behind the desk. I'm just a schmo that thinks, likes to listen to music and chat about it. Um, but you, we all know that. So I think what happens, you know, is that they're too scared, as I said before, that they're too scared of that slash splashing cash or giving the... The, the reins over but as you'll find out in the second part this particular um, lady is undoubtedly I would have to say after reading her her resume and reading about her and you're going to find out probably the one of the greatest female producers of them all um, and she's like still going and it's it just it blows my mind and I would I would I'm gonna I can't wait to delve more into her um, history and actually listen to more of her stuff. I, a lot of the stuff that she's produced, I have heard. A lot of it I wouldn't listen to normally, but I, I would 
definitely um, have a listen and see if there's a see if there's a, like a, a, a trait to her music. Like you know, if you do listen to a lot of Rick Rubin stuff, I mentioned him before only because he's probably the most famous rock producer in the world at the moment. If you listen to Rick Rubin stuff, he does have a signature sound. The stuff he's done with Slayer, the stuff he's done with a lot of the big metal bands, you know, um, and particularly with Def Leppard, he has this sort of, you know, I think, you know, he has this sort of, it leaves this sort of residue, you know, oral residue, if that's the right word. You can sort of see his fingerprints in the production, which is not a bad thing, um, because he bloody knows what he's doing, right? Um, it, it, it's it's just a case of, um, as I said, would like people like Lucci and listeners out there in the audience. I, I really would love to think that you go away from this show and go, you know, tone was right. You know, I could do that. You know, and I don't know. I mean, I have read um, stories about producers, and I mean this. And I can't, I can't actually read music. Right, I can play um, tablature, and I have musical, a musical person, but I can't read written music. And I don't know if a lot of producers generally do or not, actually. I don't know if that's a, a trait that is necessary. It probably needs to be. Those who can reach out and tell me that no more. I mean, I think it's more about um, the the understanding. I think the music should be left to the musicians. You know what I mean? Let them worry about what note goes where. And the producer should know then what layers, what and where, and where do we put the mics, and where do we... Well, that's an engineer, I suppose, but he's still part of it, you know. Um... You know, how many layers of this guitar solo are we going to have? You know, when do we fade this vocal in? Do we fade that vocal out? You know, uh, what, at, what, at what tempo should this beat come in? And when should this come into there? And ultimately, of course, it lays with the band, right? But the producer being the producer is still... Um, I mean, it's still... I think they... they often will as I said before just make and break an album and I've, I've got a couple where I can't stand the production on it and I think to myself really what were you doing and then you re, you hear the re, remix of it and you're like well I mean that's really bloody obvious it's like any of the Stephen Wilson remixes if you listen to any of the remixes done by Stephen Wilson for any of the classic stuff all the Jeffro Toll Marillion or you only did you only did uh, Misplaced Childhood but you know he's done so much stuff Kate Bush and you name it he's done it um, it's just phenomenal what, what he can do and what he can hear beyond what the band can hear and I think this lady that you're going to talk about in a minute does exactly the same thing so I'm going to go and refresh my tea um, the adverts are going to come up might sell you some you know large prophylactics as, it, as the pythons would like to say Probably not. It's probably going to be home insurance and uh, my demographic, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, funeral plans. <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. Um, I'll talk to you on the other side, oh, and we'll be talking about this fantastic woman when I get back. Bye for now, guys. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment. 
you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back, guys, to Heavy Metal Tones Part 2, Women in Rock, Episode 2, Producers. Um, now, as we said in the first part, we were having a chat about um, the bemoaning of the chat about the fact that there's not enough women in production. Um, this part is about someone who's a winner, in my opinion. This is someone who should be on everyone's lips in rock music and I'm surprised it's not. Now, those in the know probably do those like into production. Well, yeah, of course we know who that is. Um, she was new to me, and it surprises me. And I do love um, learning something new. So I'm talking about Sylvia Lenore. Uh, sorry, Sylvia Lenore Massey. Okay, M A S Y. Now she's an American record producer. Uh, from Flint, Michigan, USA. She's been active since 1985, so been producing since 1985. Uh, she is a triple platinum selling um, uh, producer with bands like Tool, System of a Downed, Johnny Cash, Red Up Chili Peppers, and so on. Okay, Massey's first project was in the mid-1980s as a producer, engineer and mixer for a compilation album titled Rap Music for Rap People Volume 3. I sort of vaguely, in the back of my mind, seem to know that. I don't know why. Um, Raw Power and, of course, Doggy Style. Very good name, in my opinion. And Mojo Nixon. She followed this with producing the punk band Verbal Abuse for Boner Records, engineering two projects for metal band Exodus. 
so she also you know she's got a metal connection there which is amazing and co-producing the sea hags now the sea hags are important why because they are kirk hammett's independent band a young kirk hammett was um in the sea hags while he was finishing masters of puppets with metallica um so pretty amazing really and this will produce television drug of a nation by the beatings the former band of the disposable heroes of the hypocrisy so pretty big names okay uh, towards the end of the 1980s uh massey moved from san francisco to los angeles and worked at tower records on sunset boulevard ever remember tower records good i do i loved it at tower she met the members of the buffalo new york band named green jello to be known as green jelly again i don't know them and this is stuff i'm going to delve into and recorded the debut album after becoming a staff engineer lombre laura b sound in west hollywood she was hired by zoo records or bmg to produce green jello's major label album debut album which featured members of the new of the los angeles group called tall so this is pre-tall right how fantastic is that um uh, on Green Jello's Serial Killer album. Wow. Tall's Maynard James Keenan sings on Three Little Pigs and Tall's drummer Danny Kerry plays on the album. This began a relationship with Massey that would see you with the band for many years. Um, so straight away, you know, again, um, connections, 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 but you have to be brave. Um, you can see where the route comes, though. She's coming in through the independent, punky, underground scene of, of America. Uh, again, thank goodness to Punk, thank you very much, because we get these um, breaks down the barriers, breaks down the walls, otherwise probably wouldn't have had her here. Pardon me. Then she moved from Los Angeles, uh, she's in Los Angeles and Lara B Sound. Um, she produced or um, mixed on recordings from artists including Aerosmith. Again, I don't know it doesn't say when you research what albums they're on, but I'm sure if you research this particular band, you would find the album that she's on. Uh, Babyface, Big Daddy Kane, Bobby Brown, Prince, Julio Iglesias, or as the, um, do you remember when, you're probably too young listeners, but when the goodies used to have, I used to have a goodies record live at the Cricklewood Shakedown, and uh, they would do Julio Double Iglesias, or Charles Has No Voice. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Seal. I mean, Seal, one of the biggest selling single artists of all time. Skunk and Nancy. Now, Skunk and Nancy is um, really interesting because a friend of mine did stuff on their first video with Skin, the lead singer. Uh, very, very, very fun times. Paul Abdul, my God, again, you know, in the 90, late 80s, mid 80s to early 90s, you don't get much bigger than Paul Abdul and many more, right? Um, so, so interesting. And then. So, th so she's already sort of, you know, getting a foot under the door. She's getting lots of this, you know, um, fantastic uh, experience uh, happening. Sorry, flippy paper. That's me with my notes, okay? And then she goes, from 1994 to 2001, Massey's vintage Neve 8038 console, that's the mixing desk, and her other specialised recording equipment occupies Studio B at Sound City Studios in, in Van Noy, California. Now, Sound City, again, I'd, it uh, those that are big Dave Grohl fans will know about Sound City because he made a film called Sound City. And in the background, you can see her Neve 8038 console. Besides Massey's own 
um, let me work at Sound City, several other successful projects were recorded on Massey's equipment during the years, including albums by Sheryl Crow, Queens of the Stone Age, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, Smashing Pumpkins, Lenny Kravitz. Crazy again. So she's left a knee desk, and these desks, these desks. I mean, as I said at the beginning of the show, you know, like a guitarist. I mean, a guitarist lives or dies by the quality of his guitar, his instrument in his hand, right? The same with recording desks. Neves, um, those are uh, it's N E V E um, eight o three eight. Those are music nerds like myself would do get um get a uh, rather attracted rather get rather aroused around a neve mixing desk um they are the best in my opinion and you know often if you look at great studios um that the desks that things are recorded on you make a all of you know make a massive massive difference um when they were recording um when they were recording Wayne, um, Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, they had two 24-track um, desks, and they connected with this new machine that these English guys had invented. It was only in only one studio in London, and it would often break down, but it, it would it had never done before. It was when it would it could you could copy 20, so you could get 48 tracks. I mean, now tracks or things are endless, but then that's amazing. If you think about 48 tracks, that's like you could quadruple your guitar sound you could do more you could add more and more depth it's a pretty amazing thing anyway so massey engineered and mixed several projects for producer rick rubin he comes back into this conversation okay rick rubin for his american label recording uh, for his label american recordings okay and he's had a lot of labels as rick including johnny cash's album unchained which won a grammy award for best country album in 1997 uh, with Rubin, she also recorded Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker, Heartbreakers, Slayer, Donovan, The Black Crows, Danzig. Um, my mate Matt always sends me great memes, and it's he sent me a great one, and it's Danzig upside down, and it's got Danzig on the ceiling, which <laughs> does make me laugh. Um, and System of Down's debut album. Now again, I'm not a, I'm not a System of Down man. I don't do it for me. It leaves me cold. Those out there love it. Great on you. Wonderful. Brilliant. Um, I deliberately ignored them at Soundwave because I was just like, I just can't do that kind of sound. It doesn't. And unfortunately, I think because of my age, when that stuff was coming through, I wasn't. It was a bit too at that time. I mean, maybe I should go back and, and give it a go, but it doesn't really do it for me. Um, you know, and in the '90s, Massey produced material for Red Hot Chili Peppers, Seven Dust. Um, she, oh, and the one that really stands out is in 1997, Massey mixed the Beastie Boys Tibetan Freedom Concert in New York with Adam Yuck. I, I, I always, God, my wife will kill me for pronouncing this wrong. Adam Yash, Yash the, and producer Pat McCarthy. Sorry, Beastie Boys fans, I pronounced it wrong. Um, anyway, um, I think I believe that Adam is now sadly gone. I'm right, yes, MCA um, died in um, May the 4th, 2012, age 47. Um, that's really a sad thing because the PC Boys are um, one of the most important bands in probably of the 20th century, actually, um, along with you know, the Pistols and and so on. But they just they, they were those one of those seminal acts that changed music. Um, and whether you like it or not, they, they fucking well did. And, and we'll leave it at that. And so, um, after that, she went to Radio Star Studios, 
right? And then became international. That's uh, this woman. What a what a you know what a resume. Okay. So starting in two thousand and one, Massey owned and operated Radio Star Studios out of now, unfortunate of the Weed Palace Theatre. Now I originally read that and thought, mm, what's this? But there's a place called Weed in California. Um, and operated in recording studio for 11 years with notable clients having been Sublime, Dishwaller, Swore 360, um, Cog, Spiderbait, Australian Spiderbait. In fact, she, um, I think she produced Oak Black Betty, Bam Alam, um, Norm, Norma Jean, Built to Spill. I mean, lots of this stuff um, that really, you know. And it, you know that she got um, with Black Betty. She reached number one in Australia's uh, Australia's Aria chart in 2004. Cogs, the new Normal album, received received an Australian Triple J award for in 2005. I mean, so you know some really interesting um, international acts. I mean, Australian acts. You know, um, she produced uh, Metropolis by Segmens, which reached number four in Norway. It's a Norwegian act. Again, don't know them very much. Um, Juno, which is one of my favorite, my daughter's favorite bands, nominated a platinum sales status for their Devil You Know album. It's incredible stuff, really. And it just goes on, it goes on. And in the 2000s, she wrote a regular column in Mix magazine called Gear Stories, Stories, which discussed vintage recording equipment versus modern equivalents. She wrote an essay about Thomas Edison's contribution to the recording industry, which was included in the official Grammy Awards program in 2011. Massey co-founded the 4 and 20 Blackbird Music Festival. Now, I read into that. It's still going. Uh, which operated for two years in downtown Wee, California. The festival drew approximately 7,000 people and featured 250 musical acts. Um, sorry, no, that went. But she then opened up in January. The, um, so there is a sort of there is a uh, still a, a festival that goes around based around that four and twenty um, in the in, in America, but under a different name. In January 2015, Massey began to write a book called Recording Unhinged for Hal Leonard. That is the book that I want to read. The book was released in March 2016. Interviews and contributions to the book include Hans Zimmer, Jeff Emmerich, Bob Ezrin, Bruce Sweden, Michael Franti, Bob Clearmountain, Al Schmidt. These are all big names, yeah? Linda Perry, Ross Robinson, Matt Wallace. These are all big names in production and in music, which is really quite amazing. And she also illustrated the book. Well, is there much more this that this woman doesn't do, you know? Sorry. Now, moving on from that, um, not only that, but she's also an educator. So this is an amazing thing. In 2015 and 2018, Massey was a visiting professor at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. In 2018, Massey taught a workshop at the Abbey Road Institute in London. In 2016, she lectured at SAE Institute Audio in, at Audio Engineering Schools in London and Munich. She's presented periodic recording workshops in Dresden at Castle Rod, uh, Rohensdorf and mixed with with the masters in uh, Les Studios de la Fabrique in Saint-Romain in the Provence in France. Sorry if I've butchered any of those German and, and French names. I don't mean to. Um, so she's done a lot of lecturing. So it's not only does she produce and has an, obviously an ear for music, but she's also... And like most great creatives, they want to share their creativity. They don't want to hold it to themselves. They're not selfish in what they give. They give back. And I think that really is, you know, quite a something for me. 
Now, Massey lives in Ashland, Oregon, works out of a private studio. She continues to work as an independent producer, educator, and music promoter. She's appeared on an episode of uh, Pacendo's Palace, an industry video program. I don't know that one, sorry. Um, Massey is a member of the NARAS and has served in the P&E Wing Steering Committee. Again, don't know what that is. An advisory board in 2009. I'm sure that's a music industry advisory board in America somewhere. She's travelled to Washington, D.C. to lobby for musicians, performers' rights. That's, that's important, again, because we are musicians and performers. I am one of those. We are overlooked, and COVID was a classic example of it. And that's a different story, okay? Um, but in 2015, she mixed uh, for Cage the Elephant and Soil Work. Um, massive um, the latter part of 2015 to 2016 she oversaw production of Avatar's album Feathers and Flesh now they're a weird funny um, band very very fat, uh, theatrical remind me a lot of Killing Joke As, can you imagine it's like Killing Joke mixed with um, Clockwork Orange mixed with how do I describe it probably probably Slipknot um, crazy Europeans love it You could check them out um, she's also uh, recorded with an all-woman noise band, and I really like them. Thunder Pussy, brilliant name, really fun act. Okay, in, and she recorded that in an abandoned nuclear power plant, cooling tower. What a fantastic um, torpedo of love! The song's called. I have to say, this I read this meant This is people thinking outside the box. This is not oh, just push the knobs here. This is creating art in a in an environment. She's also done. Um, Recorded in in a retired salt mine in Germany, um, with Sarah uh, Brendel in the underground venue at the Merkur Show Mine. Um, she's recorded the Melvins at the Village Studio in Santa Monica, when being filmed by Mix and the Masters. She also produced albums by um, In Caroline Crush. I don't know that by the way. Far from Alaska and Dishwalla. Now Dishwalla, they're pretty cool. I like them. And was hired to rework the recordings of Grey Days, a side project of Lincoln Park's frontman Chester Bennington. Again, you know, you don't get called upon by these people and by their families and their com- and these companies if you don't have some skill behind you, right? She's also recorded, I love this, um, it was abandoned, uh, the band the Molotov in the summer of 2018. She gained access to the abandoned London Underground Station at Aldwych, Aldwych to record British band Goddamn on the subway platform. How fantastic is that? Because Aldwych, there's a lot in London, as in most major cities that have an underground system, there are a lot of abandoned stations, a lot of ghost stations. And the Aldwych one has been like that for a long time. It's actually haunted. I could talk about stories about it because during the war, um, that's where a lot of people went when the air, air raids went off. Um, my mum spent a lot of time down air raid shelters as a young girl um, and to be protected uh, from the, the Blitz. Okay, so brilliant and clever, just sort of really, you know, in 2019, she produced a mix of follow-up to Life of Agony, uh, Life, Life of Agony's River Runs Red album, named Sound of Scars. Tracks were recorded at the Studio Divine in Ashland, Oregon, later in 2019. Massey mixed a solo album for Taylor Hawkins, drummer of Foo Fighters. Sadly, he's gone as well. The album features, sorry, I made all these notes, performers like Dave Grohl, from Nirvana, Joe Walsh from the Eagles, Chrissy Hine from the Pretenders, Leanne Rimes, Nancy Wilson from Heart, Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction, Porno from Pyros, Roger Taylor from Queen, um, Chris Cheney from Porno of the Pyros, and Duff from Guns N' Roses. Amazing. 
Now, after me giving you a potted history of her, exp of her life and her products, and me making lots of paper noises, let me just quickly take you through, in the last 10 minutes of the show, hang on, a quick rundown of my highlights of her production from 1984 to the modern day. Excuse the paper ruffling, it is um, a sadly a, I cannot remember this and I don't have the room to put it, spread it out. Okay, so from the, you start at 1986, I mean she started in 1984, but I'm just bringing out stuff that you're going to remember. Sea Hags, debut album, as we mentioned before, that's Kirk Hammett's sideband. Joe Satriani's LP, Surfing with the Alien, Assistant Engineer. I really love that album. Um, Exodus produced the ex uh, she engineered this our particular album, um, Pleasures for the Flesh. Again, one of my favourite um, Exodus albums. I have that on vinyl. Barbara Streisand, Assistant Engineer, um, on Broadway on the Broadway album. Jermaine Jackson. Now, not all these are production, by the way. These are some of these are engineering as well. Um, a lot of the early ones are mainly engineering. The Jacksons, two, two, uh, 2300 Jackson Street, assistant engineer, Black Crow, Shaker, Moneymaker, Danzig, Danzig 2, Lucifage, uh, assistant engineer, Spandau Ballet's Heart Like a Sky. Oh, that's a great album. Um, in 1990, Queen, just says Queen, it doesn't say what album, and that's assistant engineer as well. And then Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, uh, OAM, as uh, OAD, as, sorry. OMD, 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 can't get my anachronisms right, you know why? Because I don't like anachronisms, I'm anachrophobic. I also don't like raincoats, I'm anarachnophobic as well, but we go into that. Um, Seal, assistant engineer, co-mixed Aerosmith's um, The Other Side, Prince's Graffiti Bridge, oh, oh wow, Ziggy Marley, um, live, Kylie Minogue, doesn't say what single, Tom Jones, Kate Bush, these are all engineered by the way. Prince, she produced and engineered that one, that's Diamonds and Pearls. No, Assistant Engineer, Multi Platinum, wow, amazing. Um, Prince's remix of Cream, uh, and everyone loves that song, don't they? Um, Carmen Electra, do you remember Carmen Electra? Everyone, it's one of those names from the past, right? Most young males of my age will know who Carmen Electra was. Um, Tools EP Opiat, where she produced that, this is when she actually starts to produce. Engineered and mixed, certified platinum. That's, you know, this is some amazing stuff. That was 1992. Again, I'm not a tall fan. People know that. Find it rather boring and one dimensional. That's not to go with her music, and I'm not having to go with her production. It's just the band itself's music, not the, not the production. Um, and this is where she, then also in 1993, she produced Undertow by Tall, Babes in Toyland. The single, Say What You Want, oh my, SFW, wow, that takes you back, that takes you back to the year I met my lovely wife in 1994. Um, and then Slayer, she produced Slayer's LP, Divine Intervention, what a dramatic change. You know, you're going from, like, Tall and Babes in Toyland and, and, and Tom Jones and suddenly bang, you at Slayer, you know, the, the pinnacles of, of, of aggressive extreme metal of the 90s. Um, Skunk and Nancy, again, produced... Uh, the LP Paranoid and Sunburnt, brilliant album. I have put, uh, no I haven't, I will do it, uh, a Skunk and Nancy single on my um, playlist that 
comes in with correspondence with the show and if I haven't done it I'm going to do it and if I haven't done it let me know um, then Oingo Boingo wow um, she mixed that now I love Oingo Boingo I'm not going to say who they are go and check them out Donovan she mixed that one Donovan's a very you know um, now she produced and then, no, she engineered Tom Petty and Heartbreakers Climb That Hill she's the one she produced this I love this Red Hot Chili Peppers single Love Roller Coaster Beavers and Butthead American Soundtrack I fucking hate Beavers and Butthead. I'm gonna say it out loud. Um, also, one another Red Hot Chili Peppers in '96, One Hot Minute, Deftones, Can't Even Breathe, Escape from LA soundtrack, fantastic. Sorry if this is being a bit nerdy and going like show by like album by album, but I just want to grab stuff, right? Okay, System of a Down, you know the System of a Down first LP, Smashing Pumpkins, Machina Two, The Friends and Enemies of Modern Music, Cooler Shaker. They were real kind of um, sort of cool Britannia kind of Britpop stuff from the 90s, um, big in the UK. Um, porno for Pyros, you know, Alanis Morissette, Foo Fighters, um, Blur, you know, Tibetan, this is all Tibetan Freedom Concert, by the way, because this was, as I mentioned earlier, was the one that um, MCA did. So, you know, Beck, Paddy Smith, Rage Against the Machine, Smashing Pumpkins, Pavement, Sonic Youth, uh, all those. Reef, one of the biggest bands in the world at one time, Reef, weren't they? Um, the single, The Devil You Know, Certified Platinum. Shows you, doesn't it? If, if they're one of the biggest bands in the world and she produced that. Um, and then we're getting to the end here. You've got um, Cog, um, again, the, norm, that, the new normal. I'd, I'd recommend having a listen. Uh, stuff, uh, stuff I've never heard of. Fighting Jacks, Last Draw, Lollipop, Last Kill. That's what System of a Down single. Um, Seven Dust. Um, again, System of a Down. Marmalade. Melissa Etheridge. Ball People. Again, see, it shows her a diversity, right? And I'm just sort of skipping through here. Um, stuff that my daughter would know. Things like Lax and Busto and Godhead. Uh, they were the ones I told you they on the London Underground platform. Johnny Cash. Produced, engineered and mixed, certified platinum, The Legend of Johnny Cash. How great is that? Um, Cog again. Um, and then right down to Spiderbait in 2004 with Tonight Alright LP. Produced and that became certified platinum. Unbelievable. Again, Goddamn again. Tail Open the Melvins. Thunder Pussy. Please, I'm going to link that. You're going to have to listen to that. Um, Pink Grenade with Johnny Depp. If it wasn't bloody Johnny Depp, I'd probably have listened to that. Um, Cage the Elephant, again, have a listen. And Soil Work, massive Soil Work, right? Of course, you know, stuff after that that won't really stuff be relevant to the show, but you understand. Sorry, that was me just rabbiting on. So I could, I mean, I'm in awe of this woman. Um, just the, her ability to just keep going, you know, because in a world of music that's becoming you know I'm sure that she has to learn new techniques and creativity create new ways of recording and um, just that catalogue alone just the just the, the, the engineering that she's done on that which is let's be honest is a, a, thin, a thinly veiled description of some of the production producers are engineers and some engineers are producers um, you know she may be um, you know miking up things and working about sound and but she's also producing really deep down. I'm sure she is. I'm sure she's pulling the strings. 
a lot of that stuff. Um, and if you've got a band out there that's looking to get a producer and you want someone with some nows and you can afford one, why wouldn't you grab, why wouldn't you grab, you know, Sylvia Massey? Why wouldn't you? Um, you'd be bloody mad not to. Um, at least to read her some of her, um, her written works. I mean, I guess I'm going to get that book of hers. Um, certainly am. Now, you know, that, that will be an absolutely cracking read, I reckon. That's Recording Unhinged, it's called. As I said, um, I'm sure you can get it on most good book sellers. I'm sure that they're, they're wherever you are, Amazon or, book, you know, Booktopia or wherever. I'm sure if you ask your local supplier of, um, purveyor of fine books, you could get a copy of it. Or there's probably even an audio book of it on Audible or there's, or there's a digital, you know, e-reader version of it um whatever way you read your books i can't do e-readers if other people i mean it's just too much technology there's something about analog that it's sweet in the with bit when it comes to books anyway that's that's me that's my my praise of of uh wonderful producer uh my sadness that there is only two percent of the music produced is female production um come on now we need to we need to fix this balance up don't we um we just do, and I think we can't do it without shows like this making this making aware of the fact there's an imbalance. Um, we try and balance up everything else in life, don't we? We try and have um, fair wages, um, you know, fair amount of jobs, equal opportunities, no gender, trying to, you know, dropping pronouns left, right, and centre, and all this kind of stuff, and creating level playing fields. Let's do it in our in our music industry. Why not? I think we, if if only two percent are female, imagine what out what's out there that could the art, the wonderful music that we could be listening to, the production values that are being lost because they're not being listened to or not being taken seriously. Anyway, rant over. Um, do you know? Go and reach out and have a listen to some of that stuff. Honestly, I'm going to um, go and have a look at the try and find the book, have a read, look up online. I'm sure there's some YouTube videos and interviews with her. I'm going to head that near head there now. Um, that's enough for me. Enough for me. It's getting late, and I've got to go and refresh my cup of tea, and record a couple of another episode or two. And I hope you enjoyed part two of Women in Rock producers. Anyway, talk to you on the flip side. Chat for it. See, uh, see you. Um, keep safe. Keep rocking. As I said, if you're listening to this and you want to start your own production. Go out and do it. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, really. It doesn't. But the point about this show is, yes, let's get more ladies, more women, more young girls, more engineers out there. This balance the playing field. Anyway, bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.